Have you checked out Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson yet? If not, you've got to head over to their show page and listen to some episodes. Mike pours his soul into conversations with fascinating minds, celebrities, and athletes in a studio full of smoke. Along with his cosmic millennial sidekick, even Britain, Kid Dynamite dives deep into the issues impacting us all today. This show will change the way you see the world. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, PodcastOne.com, Apple Podcasts, and many of our favorite podcast listening apps. Alrighty, it's Combine Week. It's February 24th, it's PFF Forecast. We have special guest, Mike Renner in the building. He made it. He hasn't slept in like three weeks because mm. he's been working on the draft guide. I think all week. You look decent considering. I know. And I like, it was crazy because I, I stayed up so late Saturday night trying to finish it, but then couldn't. So I had to take, get some sleep. And so I ended up waking up at like two yesterday. And then when I finally did finish, all I wanted to do was go to sleep and I couldn't because I'd woken up so late. So I'm like back to data but collection days. Yeah. I have a question. Do you not, are you not familiar with something called Adderall? Oh, I am. I don't have prescription yet. You don't know anyone that has that? <laughs> that's called uh, Ayers, that's you're illegal. young enough uh, to still have can't your... promote that. <laughs> you're young enough to still have an Adderall prescription. All right. You say that. Uh, so we're going to we're going to talk about the PFF draft guide which yes. uh, dropped today. Mike of course is the numero uno head author, PFF's lead draft analyst and you're going to we're going to talk a little bit about how you attack the draft uh, process, the draft guide process, how Eric and I attack it. Mm-hmm. And then talk about some of the more interesting discussions like Burrow versus Tua, Simmons, and, and Chase Young. Should be a lot of fun. I want to start with this. Did you watch any XFL this week? I have yet to watch an actual full game of XFL. Wow. So disappointed. So I know. Thirds. Eric's like, judge me. I've also not watched any WNBA this year also, Eric. So you can. Has the WNBA not, I'm not. We're on different wavelengths. It hasn't. Uh, the WNBA hasn't started. Oh, yet. okay. okay. That's the WNBA <laughs> starts in late May, which is exactly when you find out that baseball's trash. <laughs> I found baseball was trash about about a decade ago. So, <laughs> did you watch the fight? Uh, I watched the replay of it. I was too too deep in the draft guy. True, we got a, we got to this. Right. That's fair, uh, Eric. Did you watch the fight? I followed along on Twitter because obviously I bet on it. And Who did you bet on? Uh, the the dog, the winner. You bet on Fury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you followed me. I tailed you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I might have got a worse number, which is why again, Twitter posting of your your bets is bad. But. Right. Uh, no, I it, it was it was kind of fun and um, but mostly I was working on draft stuff, so I didn't like want to I didn't want to pay the seventy bucks the ESPN Plus to watch a yeah, draft like that I bet you know. I was watching this and the first thought I had was like, does being in shape matter? Dude, I don't know if it does. That could, he was a horse. <laughs> Dude is insane. He's he's like made of blubber and he's quicker than than. Yeah. Anyone I've ever seen. I just think it's probably our proxy for being in shape is maybe off, right? Like there are plenty of people who are like cut who can't run or can't like. Be but like, quick. do you do you have that little like barrier, that little buffer to take hits? You know, true. Yeah. Like uh, there's that you probably matters some. Yeah. After after like the baseline amount of like competence you need to be a boxer, isn't it all just how nuts you are? Probably. Mm. Like. I think. Yeah. I, well, he did get carried out on a throne, so nuts. Yeah. But this other guy is bleeding through his ear, and he looks it's like. I mean, is that is that a bigger moment than Holyfield getting his ear bit no, off? No, no, actually no. licking the blood. No, it's probably right. Because first off, the lick was figurative. It, like mm-hmm. it, we didn't actually get. If he had licked, like yeah. actually made contact, but he was just kind of, he was just teasing us yeah. a little bit. 
the bite was real. Okay, if yeah. the bite happened, <laughs> this is fair. I don't know. If the bite happened with current Twitter, yeah. it, the world would be. Tyson, an example of somebody who obviously has the requisite boxing skills and is nuts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> true. It's, it's a good like uh, little small sample size, yeah. but I think we're. I mean, the three of us don't have the requisite boxing skills, so it doesn't matter if we're crazy or not. Right. But like, but if somebody, had, you know, I'm just so I'm just so happy because I was really debating whether I was going to pay the money for it. I was like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bet on Fury. So if he wins, then I'll easily make my money back, plus some. And if not, at least I'll probably see a knockout. Yeah, the coolest fine. thing yeah. about that fight was that the whole time, I was, I was on edge because I was like, one punch. Like, Fury's winning this whole thing. Yeah. But Wilder with one punch could end it. Dude, it's that's, like, it's that's how great, nice. like, you know, uh, sudden death overtime is, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, it's exactly the same thing. It's like, well, this thing could end at any moment. You know, that, that every boxing match is like that. And I think that's why people, well, not every, that's why not every boxing match, you watch, like, Pacquiao, Mayweather, that's not, that's not, not what it is. Yeah. That's why heavyweights are the best, is because the drama of every punch is way more than, you know, watching two sure. dudes hang on each other for 15 rounds. If you were to put, so, now we're going to get into the draft process. Yes. Oh, we better draft. Talk, talk about the XFL. <laughs> no, for, for we're not. Let's just not. Um, the uh, w- better draft prospect: Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury? Ooh, probably Wilder. You think so? Yeah. You wouldn't put Fury, Fury out there at left tackle. Oh, that's actually a better. That's actually a good point. Fury probably at tackle. I'm. Just, I was thinking more like athlete so wise. Quick. His kick but, would probably be But amazing. Fury at tackle might be legit. Actually, he's got Wilder's the bend. Kind of skinny. Yeah, Wilder is like he's he's a he's like a. Probably a wide receiver, you know, with that build at the next level, which is, I don't know. I don't know how his jump ball skills are. Right. You need, he, he would probably have stone hands, frankly, because since he's been wrapped up for <laughs> 20 years. And they're probably just like <laughs> mangled. Like they probably don't work anymore. This is a good point. David Boston. Uh, I think Fury would be a phenomenal left tackle. So um, that was our draft, our draft night analysis. Mm-hmm. Let's start on the draft guide here. So I want to ask you this question because all of us do different things at PFF and we all have our own process for yeah. them. And, a lot of times they get kind of buried and people just see the final result and they're like, oh, this is kind of cool. The draft guide is like 800 pages. Yes. It's ridiculous. Every year, if you want to be prepared, as prepared as any human on earth, mm-hmm. if you just read the draft guide, you will be that person. So I'm curious, from start to finish, what is your process like? Yeah, like you mentioned that we, this is stuff that, that's in this draft guide that has never been done before. Like we've, no one's ever charted all of college football drops coverage grades you know the coverages that they run this is something that's like unheard of in history and you'll find like the nuggets the best stuff in the draft guide but the process is basically me going through and i start with the grades like the grades are a good indicator of necessarily where a guy is uh you know how he played how he executed his role but i think that's the biggest thing is what i do to sort of translate those grades into a projection to the next level is see one what that role was, because a lot of times, uh, especially in college, if you are a better player, you're giving a more you're given a more difficult role. And in our grading, it doesn't necessarily reflect the role that you were given. So if you're an athletic middle linebacker, they might ask you to go cover the slot. If you're an unathletic middle linebacker, you might just spot drop and have no sort of coverage responsibilities. You're just the spy, you know, in that scheme. So you're not really getting tested in coverage. And the guy with who's the limited role might have a bad grade or a good grade, excuse me, because uh, he's not getting tested or when he does make plays, it's coming up uh, forward. But the guy who is asked to cover the slot wide receivers gets a bad grade, but he's actually much better in coverage because they're at, but they're asking him to cover the slot. They're asking him to do a lot more. So I think I kind of pair those together, pair what the grade says versus what the role was asking him to do and how difficult that was and how impressively he executed it. And then that ends up being the projection I use. Uh, the data you guys have like, researched in terms of 
what actually matters, what you know, aspects of the position are more valuable, what positions are more valuable. And then that's, you know, I watch shit, all these plays, like <laughs> yeah, hours on these guys. I was going to say, then, how much of, because I, I, that's super smart. And the, I'm curious, like, how much of the way to what role did this guy play can you get to before you have to watch, before you have to grind the time? <laughs> My own personal curiosity, like, how far can I get before I have to watch film? No, you can get pretty far in terms of just, like, if you collect the coverage scheme, if you collect where they were uh, lined up on the field, if you collect, uh, you know, as a wide receiver, the routes they ran, if you collect a lot of that, you can, I mean, you could probably get pretty darn close. Uh, but then stuff like explosiveness, uh, you know, actual athleticism and, like, how they look on the football field, their instincts is going to be, like, there is some, uh, there's, I think there's still room for the human element in the, in that regard that you're just, in, until you get actually like chip data on these guys, you're not going to be able to tell. Now, yeah. if you get chip data, I, I think you can, I think you can almost eliminate sort of the us from a lot of us in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, I think I think looking at like sort of how they how they their movement skills are pretty mm-hmm. you know something to glean from that. But even again, just like you know, the intent is also something you're trying to infer, and that and that's tricky as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, one of the things that we do in our process is basically try to go through and normalize by all of the things that a guy's asked to do. So if he's a linebacker and he's playing in the slot, he's going to have like a, a negative expected grade. Yeah. You sort of normalize from that and everything. You know, you get a better uh, you know look at that. But if he's consistently asked to do things that he's not good at, we actually don't have the counterfactual mm-hmm. of what if he just spot dropped in the NFL yeah. or it you know. All that kind of stuff. We saw that with Kansas City this year in the Super Bowl, you know, their Super Bowl run. They just had linebackers who couldn't do what they were asked to do previous seasons, and yeah. then this they only. So you're only going to do things you're good at, right? So like, but like looking at them in free agency, you're like, well, is this guy valuable at all? He graded okay in PFF down the stretch, but they didn't ask him to do anything. It's yeah. a really interesting question. And I think one of the guys that you highlighted uh, in the linebacker position, Davion Taylor, was a great example of that. The analytics, the data really likes him because the role he was doing at sort of Colorado was a very difficult role for a linebacker to execute, and he was still you know grading out well, making plays on the football in that role. Means oh man, he probably has pretty good coverage skills for a linebacker, even if like the grade itself wasn't that. Great. Well, and doesn't that and that that highlights sort of how important this week is, which I think we always like overvalue this week at the combine and the the measurements. But if if Davion Taylor comes out and measures as well as he played, as well mm-hmm. as he looked on the football field, then you're looking at somebody who's like okay, not very good against the run, but extremely athletic as a line, like kind of a Deion Jones type of like yeah. athlete in the in the on the interior level. And then he he is he has all the combat measurements. He obviously you know he interviews well with the teams, and this is a prospect that team, teams might want, even though you know he's not considered the best linebacker well, in the draft. Hold, hold up there, because you said we overvalue the combine. That is not true from a we as in we, we no, no. in this football. This is a football. Mm-hmm. So big, I, I'm big curious. I'm curious, Mike. Yeah. You have you've been with PFF how long? Eight. Years. It's been a long time. Yeah. Your hair is, have you cut your hair? I've had no other job as an adult besides working at PFF. I I did, I I do think right, two years ago. I do think right now you are really, if you go clean shaven, Mm -hmm. you look like a second grade elementary school teacher. Like Mrs. Renner walks into her class, hair pulled back, classes on. You're I'd a be Peloton. a pretty damn cute elementary You're school. You're a Peloton teacher. writer. Like, you could be the first ever bachelorette and bachelor contestant, I think. Mm. But anyways, uh, the combine. That was like out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like from left field. But what I want to know is. <laughs> have just you take a shot at Mike one time. <laughs> I can take to get it. to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the the combine though, like you, I assume, have come down from how much you value it. But early on, were you like, okay, I'm going to look at the grades, I'm going to look at the role, and then the combine is going to be this huge piece that confirms or denies? How has that process gone? Well, I think it's more. Um, the more I've watched of these guys, the more I'm like, I actually have a good handle on what they're what they should run, like what they should be. And then at that point, if you know what, if you've watched enough tape on a guy, you you should. You should know. But I, I think it's the best use of it is, like, if you want to separate two guys who you're close on. Like, take the better athlete. Uh, take the guy who's more well-rounded athlete, usually, is, is how I will use it. It's not like, oh, my God, DK Metcalf run a 4-3-3. He's got to go in the top 10 now. No. It's not like that. It's not like Because that still happens. It does. That that's, why still happens. that's why people who don't either analyze the data or watch the tape. They're going into it with a relatively flat prior, and they're like, okay, this guy ran a 4-3, this guy ran a 4-4-4. And it's like, okay, the 4-3 guys way better. And like the, it's because they come yeah, in there. They exactly. don't have the hours of tape built exactly. in yes. to have the, the right calibration mm-hmm. on what a 4-3 th- means in this setting. And you almost have to, you have to watch these guys before you see these drills or else you get this anchoring bias of, oh, damn, 4-3. Like if you didn't watch. And then you go look for that 4-3 Exactly, the yeah. exactly. So you, you really have to do the work before you get there or else you're very much susceptible to – like I said, anchor bias. Hunting for four threes in the tape sounds like exactly what you're gonna what you do. It's my memoir. <laughs> I was just, just gonna say that, but I locked you too. I just I just catch Eric in the break room. What are uh, you What are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm just looking at tape, just trying to find the four three. I actually grinded tape on a running back this last week. Oh god, mm-hmm. it's a disaster. Uh, but Eric, what do you think? So, did you ever think the combine was that valuable? I always have felt like it was a bunch of noise. Yeah, I, what I thought it was was a kind of a um, an advertisement for the NFL or an, an extra event. I mean, I remember Vernon Davis running. Like, I, in college, I was a tight end, and I was like, okay, who do I try to emulate athletically? <laughs> Vernon Davis is, like, running a 4-3, and I'm like, okay, that's not it. And, <laughs> a little more Anthony Fasano back yeah, then. Yeah. yeah. And, and sort of, like, looking at – and but it does give you a decent grouping of, like, types of athletes. Mm-hmm. I think it's important there. Um, it certainly like Matt Jones is a quarterback from Arkansas who ran up like a four three seven. Was he taking oh, in the first? Yeah, round? that was an all time combine a, riser as a as a wide receiver for the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. So it certainly like is something that you know it, it, you know, we scoff at a little bit. And I think even before we had access to all this information, we scoffed at. But um, but it, back in the day, it was something that it's only increased as in importance as we've gotten smarter. So I think we sort of have had the you know sort of right answer the whole time. You, I want, uh, Eric, I want you to talk a little bit about the athleticism measure that we build. So, like, our projections, mm-hmm. you, what happens in the draft guide, what happens on the computer, they are pretty similar, right? We have processes that may be different in the way that we actually get them done. Like, you look for the role the guy played, so does the math, right? It looks at the facet he played, um, the value of those facets, and then makes that projection to the NFL. We do have an athleticism measure. Eric, you're pretty proud of it, and it's I sweet. think I think it's worth talking a little bit about how that um, that gets built in and and what it means. Well, the thing is, is, is so the the tough part about data science is that there are missing data points everywhere, and there's noise everywhere, and so one of the first things you have to do is you have to figure out what to do when somebody actually doesn't measure them, like doesn't get measured, right? And you know, we we've done a bunch of techniques with basically every single person we know their height and weight, um, every single player we sort of know. What they're trying to do, whether, you know, if it's an edge player, we're talking about pass rushing, run defense, sometimes coverage. 
Um, and, and so what we want to do is build a metric to to, ta- to say, okay, what would somebody who for whom we had no information on how good of a football player they were, how would they grade in our system based upon their athleticism? And so for missing players, you basically just take height and weight. And it's like, you know, it, it's not a terrible measure. We, we have a bunch of historical data about, you know, how those guys have historically comped and you take like K nearest neighbors and it's pretty simple. I was just about to say one of the actually the most underrated aspects of the combine is just getting accurate heights and weights yeah. on these guys. Because yeah, yeah. you look at, I mean, even going back to actually the senior bowl, some of the running backs there. So uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, running back for Vanderbilt, was listed at 219 for Vanderbilt, comes in at 205. Those are two different running backs. Dar- Darius Anderson listed at 212 for TCU, comes in at 195. Like those are two very mm-hmm. different types of running backs that you just— Both of which just don't matter. But yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying, okay, yeah, but like an edge as well, like edge is a position where— if you're under 240 pounds, you're just going to have. You're not going to get the time. job yeah, yeah. done. Exactly. So, like, I think that and like right. arm length stuff actually like does matter. That is actually an underrated sort of aspect of it. Yeah, and then the other but. tricky thing is that so many of these drills correlate with each other. So we take the 20 yard increment of the 40 yard dash and consider those two those two variables two separate ones. When in reality, it's probably about 1.2 variables. Or we look at broad jump. Mm-hmm. And we look at some other measurement like 40-yard dash, and we think that they're independent. And it's really like, no, I mean, if somebody's explosive in the 40, they're generally going to be explosive in the, in the broad jump. And so what you have to do is you have to take that information, and you have to squeeze from it, you know, two, two and a half, three principal variables from that. And then ask yourself, okay, how does that correlate to doing what they're going to do at the NFL level? And then the other thing is you have to differentiate those. So being a run defender is a totally different thing. Your athleticism scores are going to correlate to run defense way different than they're going to correlate to pass rush. So in some sense, you know, some of these guys like Derek Brown, right, he's going to be a guy who's like, as a run defender, I think all of his measurables are going to be great. And he's going to have to really work to get the projection up for pass rush, right? And it's Whereas Donnell Hunter was somebody who was like a great run defender in college and a so-so pass rusher, and then all of his athleticism measurements pointed towards this guy's going to be a good pass rusher in the pros. And and then you also have to look at, okay, and there are other things, you know, like, so, for example, wide receiver, edge, those positions are such where combine data really does matter. And there are other things where it really doesn't, other than, as Mike said, height and weight. What's So I want you to rank, give me your top three in terms of, like, position and, and combine event that matter. Okay. And then the Ooh. bottom three. So, like, the most cool. useful and the least useful. All right. Most useful, I will go, oh, man, really put him on spider. I'll go edge and 10 split, probably. Okay. 10 split on the edge if you can get off the football. That makes sense. Good thing. I think then 40 for cornerbacks is just indicative of what kind of cornerback you are. If you don't, so, like, if, at cornerback position, if you run a 4-6, and a guy gets a step on you who runs a 4-4, you can't guard that guy in man coverage. You're, just like, you're, you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to play man coverage man-free with no help over the top. You're not going to be able to execute mm-hmm. that role. And that limits level. your, your exactly. defense schematically. Exactly. And so uh, 40 for cornerbacks, and then, gosh, what else? I might Not 40 for running backs? Or, uh, sorry, quarter, <laughs> score? quarterbacks? Um, I, and then I'll also, I think edge is the one where... lick. <laughs> Oh god! And I think edge, the three cone for edge, is also very important. Edge, I think edge, edge is one where like the ma- the numbers very much matter in terms yeah. of athletics. Edge is edge is the position where you think about like what is what is the sort of like the the position where athleticism is the most controlled and acute, and it's mm-hmm. edge, right? Because mm-hmm. you're you're in it literally a track stance half the time. You're you're trying to beat a guy who's 
not nearly as athletic as you most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey. there are there are a handful kind of so up. like it's it's really it's really point a to point b with very little resistance and how how you know efficient can you be getting there and i think a lot of the stuff that the combine measures i mean the, is fairly it's fairly correlated with that yeah, i was gonna say you think about the 10 split is how fast you can get upfield and the three cone is how fast you can then turn it's right. like that's it that's what the edge rush is. i mean that's yeah. what i was gonna say also that's interesting is a lot of the time the the drill does not mimic what a player is going to be exactly. asked to do that's why but for like a 10 split is quite literally okay an edge guy is going to line up in that stance give or take yeah and they're going to fucking run straight downfield as fast as they can exactly. and then they're going to make a move either mm-hmm. you know a cut in they're going to give some sort of you know hand movement and try and continue to get around and that literally is the you know the three cone right how yes. quickly can you change direction okay least useful least useful 40 for quarterbacks no, I think the Wonderlink is the least useful. The one, okay, the, I was thinking like actual the athletic link? testing. Wonder is it Wonderlick? I like yes, the link the better now. Well, well, after the boxing match, I'm going to call it the Wonderlick. Well, I, I think we should get the Wonder. wonder we should link. take the Wonderlick. We as should a, as a PFF. Yeah. They like administer those. Like, yeah. you can have them come in. I will put day. my money on Eric Wolfie. Nathan Yaki. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Steve not winning that one. <laughs> No comments on okay. Um, <laughs> All right, no, so the wonder licked. The wonder licked. The, the issue with the wonder lick is that the false positive rate is just so high. Right. right? Like, mm-hmm. well, wouldn't it be better if you if you actually had a standard? And I was going to ask you this. This is one of my questions for you. Um, do you think we could come up with a standardized uh, football acumen test? For these guys, Ooh. right? Because my big thing with the Wonderlick is like, hey, nice I don't. Who gives a fuck if this guy yeah. knows how many breads, yeah, because it, baskets not, of bread I can buy with ten dollars. I was gonna right? say like, it's, it's like kind of, uh, it's kind of like critical thinking, but then there also be like, uh, like what month comes two times after like J- July, which like if you don't know the months that well, like you're not right. gonna. Like, there is some like you have to like have prior knowledge. Look, it's let's not, not just talk about Jamarcus Russell like that. There's a there's a great deal of like cultural like issues too like with yeah. all standardized tests and that one included and the thing is is like there are just some people like Brett Favre is this one of the smartest football players I've ever seen and probably dumb as a box of rocks if you measure him by the wonder you don't think he knows the months you know order? what I'm saying like or even like we you talk about like Lamar Jackson did poorly on the wonder like Favre um, you know you also it, like. But the football smarts of those two mm-hmm. players are just unbelievable. The instincts that they have, right? Yeah. Randy Moss probably fell asleep during the Wonderlink, and he's probably the smartest yeah. football player that's ever played. Yeah, it's like Assumptions. the ability to put what you know into action quickly right. is not yeah. measured necessarily there in the Wonderlink. Yeah, I do think they try to get the quickness component. Yeah, it, yeah that is. But it's like I don't care about your quickness in the months of the year. Yeah. I care about your quickness in diagnosing, like, a blitz or a coverage. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that would be a really – and I – I wish I could be in the interviews with the players because that, you know, that would be one of the things I would want to do is kind of have a standardized football acumen test mm-hmm. that I would administer. Um, I think that'd be cool. Because also one of the biggest like myths about football is that's a super complex game. It, like if you have to, if you have to actually take in every single thing at once, yes, it's pretty complex. But each player is executing yeah. simple. Well, that's, that's a, like, one of each the player has a very easy thing to, to do, do on every single play. That's one of the interesting things about coaching, right? Because mm-hmm. like the, the smartest people in the world take something complex and boil it down to something simple so that other people can execute it. Mm-hmm. And you look at like you, you know you look at either like you mic up the coaches in whatever league, and the, the dumbest ones are the ones that are, have like these essays for play calls, <laughs> and the smartest ones are the ones that are like. Uh, mash <laughs> like yeah. on two. It's like, and 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 that's the thing. It's like you, exactly. It's taking complex stuff and boiling it down. And these players don't have to be 
like the most intelligent. You know, oh, yeah. The, it, offensive line's a little tough because you have to know what all five are doing and quarterback, obviously. But, like, some of these players, like cornerback, like some of these guys just got to lock down the guy in front of them for 40 plays a game. Oh, right. but, but I will say 60 shuttle, actually, I completely forgot, is the – Worse. Like, people don't even do the 60 shuttle, but they still administer it. Yeah. You'll get, like, less than half the people, even at, like, a position like wide receiver, even do it. It's just, I don't know why they keep doing it. That's one that I would like all of our office to do. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to do two things uh, real quick and after this after this quick break. So that what we're going to do is we're going to talk Tua versus Burrow, how close actually are they, yep. and Isaiah Simmons versus Chase Young. I think there's an argument to be made uh, for Simmons over Young. Before we do, the two-for-one draft pod, it's you, it's Austin Gale, it's awesome. You should check it out. You should go good. download yes. it. Um, if you do all not draft, listen, all subscribe. Long. I mean, it's fantastic. Like it, it's great. And the the th- cool thing about it is, if you listen to it throughout the year, by the time the draft comes along, you don't have to cram because you're already mm-hmm. prepared for stuff. And then the draft guide, it's out. Get a PFF subscription. Go to pff.com. You have to have it. If you don't, then you just don't take football seriously. So, Burrow, Tua, how close are they? So I think they're pretty close as prospects and. Todd McShay saying he'd go to a over Burrow if both were healthy. And obviously, like, you kind of just have to take that health right now and just put it away. Because we don't know. Like, we're not doctors. We don't know the prognosis. We don't know what it's going to be. I did Sunday. say at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> yeah. My dad actually is a doctor. We talked about this a lot. <laughs> and that's why I don't want to talk about it anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but, no, I think because the, the missing aspect here is, like, Burrow is great. Burrow is incredible this year. Tua was incredible as a true freshman, like Tua's never played bad football and he's two years younger could like theoretically, like there's nothing holding him back from accuracy wise, decision-making wise, getting to that level that Burrow was in two years. So uh, I do think they're pretty close, but I'm always going to lean towards the guy you've already seen it with. You know, you're, you're always going to lean towards the guy you've already seen that higher end with, uh, even if it is at a little bit of an older age. So uh, I'll lean Burrow, but I do think Tua's. is, underrated to some degree in this class. If you're talking like Herbert versus Tua, that's just it's, it's unbelievable. I'm so, I'm so glad you said that because my thought with what the Bengals should do is if you could get Tua, I would trade down mm-hmm. because you could probably get a huge haul for the number one pick. But I'm not willing to drop to five where I might end up with yeah. Herbert. Right? The drop-off exactly. is too massive. Um, it's almost like if you, you want to draft Burrow and then Burrow to pull an Eli Manning. Right. And then you flip it for Tua. Yeah. Yeah, that. And, and it Although out. you're held hostage and probably won't get the trade value back, but yeah, right. And it worked well. That worked well for both franchises back then. Was, I mean, the, the Chargers got Rivers, and he was great. I, it seems like depending on who you want to argue for, you say, okay, the scheme really helped, you know, either Joe Burrow or two out a lot, and so therefore the exactly. like both of them. Was there a distinct advantage? Do you think that one had over the other in terms of just either competition level or uh, how much his scheme and his athletes helped him? I think. Tua's receivers got open more, and I think Burrow's scheme was a little more, I don't want to say better or, like, simplistic, but it was, like, it was more, it, it was something that college football wasn't really ready for. So the, as many empty sets, like, it was just something that, that defense is in college unique. football. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the, the question we had on our show last week was, so you take the, would you rather have a guy who was consistently good in one system over the course of an entire college career mm-hmm. Would you weigh? How would you weigh that? Because that's obviously great to have. Would you weigh that more than a person that a player who is decent, not great, and then was able to capitalize on a scheme change? Because 
the NFL quarterbacks, aside from maybe four or five guys, mm-hmm. are all going to be guys who, hey, we got to get the system and infrastructure good for this player. And if you can't capitalize on that and be great, your ceiling is obviously lower. It's tough because one was it was like one was afterwards. If it was the other way around in terms of Burrow was great in 2018 and then fell back when the scheme changed, then I'd be I'd be pretty hesitant. But if it was it was like he developed in terms of a lot of other things that were, you know, like pocket presence, yeah. like a lot of other things that were necessarily not necessarily scheme dependent. So uh, that one's difficult. But just purely in a vacuum, vacuum, I would probably lean towards the guy who's been consistently excellent in one scheme than the guy who you know scheme change. But at the college level, it's so difficult to kind of to parse yeah. that so out. So like Mayfield's one, we're three years in the same scheme. Mm-hmm. So there's not that adversity of having to change. But mm-hmm. there's brilliance in being asked to do one thing consistently and doing it well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the interesting thing with Mayfield is, first off, we, we have no idea yet because right. the Freddie like, Kitchens thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. was a total fucking dumpster fire. Right. And the second thing is there was an element of uniqueness to that scheme, too. Right, like Lincoln Riley, Joe Brady, these are guys that yeah. were innovating seriously at the yeah. college level, and that helps a lot. What I keep coming back to with Joe Burrow is this dude was a pro last year. Like he was living the lifestyle of a professional quarterback. He was preparing mm-hmm. in that way, and we see it in life. Like preparedness is a huge edge. So preparing with something that is unique at the college level it does give him a leg up, and I do for that reason also believe that. Look, Tua could easily get to that level. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the difference between those two is just uh, I think I think big. the point of this entire thing is that there are two exactly two quarterbacks who are worthy of a mm-hmm. franchise quarterback draft, right? And then the other guys, the Jordan Loves, the Justin Herberts, the Anthony All the Gordons. Uh, yeah. Justin. Those those guys are the, if they're drafted in the first round, I'm going to have the same response as I did when Brady Quinn was drafted by the Browns. Ooh, what was oh, that? Do you oh remember? God, I can't talk bad about Brady Friend of the PFF uh, pod. Brady Quinn is a fantastic human being, and thou shalt not use yeah. his name. <laughs> Brady Quinn's yoked. Okay. You know George yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the next thing that I uh, – so Eric wrote a really good piece about Isaiah Simmons. And I have a soft spot, spot in my heart for Derwin James, in large part mm-hmm. because I still have a Derwin James 49ers jersey on order oh, that's man. never going to get fulfilled. And oh. – the the ability to have a guy that's basically they win the Super Bowl with Derwin James. Uh, we're gonna cut. <laughs> uh, the ability to get a guy who is multifaceted in coverage, but also like a chess piece from a pass rushing standpoint, is, in my opinion, the the most fail safe thing you can get on the defensive side of the ball, combined with the most valuable thing you can get. So why would you not take Isaiah Simmons or at least consider Isaiah Simmons over Chase Young? I think it's because Chase Young is Isaiah Simmons, unlike anything we've ever seen at the linebacker, safety position, whatever. But I don't think it's to the level of what Chase Young is to edge position. And it's so so much so like he is to me. He is a guy that you just have to account for in terms of like chips altering your offense. And if you can alter your offense, if you alter a different offense, it has value that I don't think you can necessarily measure purely based on. Like you can't you can't single block. I don't. I don't think you're going to be able to single block Chase Young. Like, mm-hmm. and that is going to alter your scheme. And yes, he's not going to provide pressure to add value like necessarily measurable. But having to chip him and having to account for him is just going to provide that sort of game planning value that I will. I'd rather have Ch- at this point. Chase Young is most like which NFL player? Honestly, <sighs> uh, the comp in the draft guide was Alden Smith, and Ooh. he's like Alden Smith, but like. More but, athletic and not a complete and, fucking head yeah. case. Uh, not and Alden Smith was dominant. I mean, he was dominant really good. Yes. So my question would be then: mm-hmm. Would you rather have? 
and and Derwin James probably isn't the, even that great of a comp for Isaiah Simmons, to be perfectly honest. But yeah. like, would you rather have that kind of a player or mm. Alden Smith? And I I think most people first take would be like, oh shit, I'd rather have Alden Smith yeah. ten times out of ten. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's that. You can scheme pressure in today's mm-hmm. NFL. Here's, here's the tricky thing: the scarcity of players like Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner is immense. There's only we're we're and really, those guys aren't even that. We're stretching it yeah. really thin to get to guys like Fred Warner, who's good, but not like franchise altering, in my opinion, Deion Jones, guys mm-hmm. like that. There are edge players who are amazing. Like Chandler Jones gets 20 sacks like every year. And his he does like we never hear of him because the Cardinals are cheeks every year, right? Like that yeah. and there's like an edge player they Is that grow a good on or trees. Bad thing? But but what I was gonna say was you feel more comfortable about saying Chase Young is going to be generational than you do about Isaiah Simmons, okay. just based on you know the grading, the, the athletic measuring Which, at edge. Like if you have those, you feel good about yeah. the guy. We're at, far Isaiah Simmons, you, like saying he if he's Derwin James, you promise me he's Derwin James. I'll probably take Derwin James yeah. over it. But I don't like that's a high I, promise. That's, that's a really good point yeah. that edge is way easier to predict than coverage. Exactly. I mean, I but that's the thing. Isaiah. So Derwin James was the best pass rusher in that draft class. Yeah, is Isaiah Simmons the second best pass rusher in this draft? See, class? That's what I don't. I haven't seen that necessarily okay. from Derwin James. Like Derwin James threw an offensive tackle from Florida when he was a true freshman yeah. to the side. That you, was you, mean like you didn't rare. see that from Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, yeah. I, like he, he's good, but, but not not like that level. Because I would go so far as to say. This is just hurtful for me. But, like, a healthy Derwin James, I'm not sure there's a defensive player that I would take for him. But back to the 49ers point, I don't think they win the Super Bowl because then they don't get Nick Bosa. And he's been great. If he's Derwin James, because he he would have been that good, they wouldn't have got the second overall pick. So... They yeah, would have drafted Cleveland Farrell. Their tank in 2018 <laughs> would have been 5-11 and 11 instead of 4-12. Exactly. Farrell? Yeah, okay. Uh, this has been fantastic, Mike. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I won't want one last thing to get yeah. out of here on. I am a sucker for, in the fourth round, getting excited about some random receiver oh. or no, Kyle Aletta. corner. I got that really was, excited about Kyle Aletta. Josh Please tell me who I should get really excited about in the fourth round. Okay, random receiver? You, you anyone. Anyone? I, I, anyone? I'm You're going to get excited about I'm the guy in Madden who just looked at how fast the guy was yeah, and said I can work with was. him later. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll throw a guard at you because this guy's going to go in the fourth round, and he's the number two guard on our board, and it's Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. Okay. You're gonna, he might actually go to the 49ers. He's number one in our projection system. Too. He might actually go to the 49ers. Yes. Rutgers transferred to Ohio State. Dude's gonna he's gonna pass protection. I so love it. pass protection at guard, super, super valuable, as you guys love yes, to say. Yes. This has been a lot of fun. We're gonna be in Indy starting this afternoon. We're gonna have a PFF live show on Thursday night. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna have some really cool guests. Uh perhaps an offensive coordinator for potentially a team that won the Super Bowl champ. Uh, I don't know. Just saying. Could be kind of cool. Uh, perhaps sure, that's, what you're, that's so, what you're into. First, na- first name of champions. Yeah, perhaps a guy that we just discussed, whether or not he should be drafted over another guy. I don't know. I'm just throwing some names out there. Uh, you can check out the Two for One Drafts pod uh, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You should subscribe. It's awesome. And then the draft guide, you need to get it. So figure it out. Mike, thanks, brother. Thank you.